Yo, what's up, Smarks? Welcome back to Smark of the Beast in what is quite literally the new day. A new day has dawned. It is now the era. It's what I'm calling the ruthless progression era. (laughs) (laughs) What's the one thing that defines this from all other eras? Ruthless progression. (laughs) Um, Kofi Kingston is the king of the world. And Becky Lynch is the queen of the entire universe. It's after WrestleMania. And uh, our moratorium on ranking things is is over because Kofi's swinging that belt over his head and Becky Two Belts is at the top. Yes. Finally, progress has been made. That's right. Finally, them treasured memories boys have come back to the internet. I am one of your co-hosts and one half of the most electrifying tag team in the world podcast world i couldn't even remember catchphrase it's been so long i am matt moment and i'm here with my tag team partner lifetime matt wilson matt wilson how you doing i am finally rested after the two-day event that was wrestlemania Mm. the that spanned sunday and monday and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to enshrine some wrestling moments and ideas into our Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And if a guy in a Rasta hat tackles me, that's part of the job. You know, it's one of the risks you take. It is. It is. Don't worry. I'm going to be there to punch him many times. <laughs> you. I've always thought of you as my Dash Wilder. I am. I really... <laughs> I like. I appreciate I, that. I, I yeah. when it, when people say, "What's your and Matt Fisher's dynamic?" I always say, "It's like I'm Bret Hart and he's Dash Wilder," <laughs> because that's right. I am the kind of guy who will pretend to lead somebody out of a room only to deliver a knockout punch when they least expect it. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh man, that is very much my style. I always, I always, uh, always describe my particular type of martial art as, "Hey, dude, I don't want to fight." <laughs> Yeah, um, man, lulled them into a false sense of security. That's right. That's what it's all about. Hey, man, I'm about W's, right? Yeah, buddy. Um, man, what a WrestleMania weekend. I mean, we're going to get into a list and a super good list because here on Smark of the Beast, what we do is we rank everything to do with the king of sports, professional wrestling, not just matches, not just WrestleManias, not just weird shoot things that happen at the Hall of Fame, but everything to do with the one true sport professional wrestling the whole shebang the whole shebang a bang but before we do that it has wrestlemania was this weekend we got to give a couple of thoughts it was a wild like wrestlemania weekend nxt was crazy as usual hall of fame was unexpectedly exciting yeah i didn't watch watch the hall of fame show yeah i was texting you and you were like what is happening because it's always such a slog. Those speeches are so long, and I'm not super interested in most of them most of the time. But the hearing about the Brett thing, even secondhand, was was wild. Uh, NXT 
was the best wrestling I watched this weekend. Oh yeah. And the best praise I could give to the best rat match at WrestleMania was that it was as good as a takeover match. Yeah, it was as good as the worst takeover match. <laughs> yeah. Um, although the Daniel Bryan Kofi Kingston match was probably better than it had any right to be. It didn't need it was, to be that good, and it was. It was. I said to my wife who missed it live because she was at a meeting and she got home right as it was ending. I told her it was the best WrestleMania match since 30. Yeah. And I, I stick by that. I, I think it's better than any single match. (sighs) Probably. Yeah. In the last five years, I, the, probably the closest runner up would be the Charlotte Oscar match, but yeah, it's, it's probably probably the last match that was as good was uh, Daniel Bryan and Triple H at 30. Yeah, honestly. Like, I had a bunch of people at my house who are not wrestling people. And between the big spot uh, with Shane and Miz and that match, they were like, is it always this way? And I was like, uh. literally, I think what I said was NXT is always this way. <laughs> it's it's um, It's always that way, but never that much right. <laughs> that makes sense right um uh, did you hear that apparently just like not too um long before the whole event started brock was just like i want to fight first that it, yeah i heard that on the mask man podcast that is wild i don't know how true that is i do think putting on seth and brock first was the right decision i agree that i i don't agree with all of the match placements or in, in, all of in, the matches even happen. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you you probably could have cut three or four matches, but putting on Brock and Seth first was very smart because it was a quick, high-energy match that got the crowd hot from the start. And I just wanted to get the Brock stuff over with myself. And yeah. so I'm glad I'm glad they got it out of there out of the way. I do think there was an aspect of the women's match that was sort of robbed a little bit by being on so late. It like reminded me of um like when I used to put on shows and play shows like at punk shows, it's like a punishment to headline <laughs> because everybody wants to go home. Yeah, I mean it's it's I wonder if it isn't better to start thinking about wrestling shows like you think about a stand-up open mic. There you go. Because at a stand-up open mic, you want to go first. Because the crowd hasn't seen 30 other comedians trying to be funny, and your time is more valuable. And, And you reach a point especially if you're there to see a friend at a open mic, mm-hmm. you reach a point where it's like, I just have to get through this to see my friend go. Or if you're performing, I just have to get through this so I can do my five minutes and get out of here. Mm-hmm. And more so than the main event, I think the matches that suffered from that were like the three or four matches after the way too long Triple H Batista match. Man, what a self-indulgent piece of shit that was. And before the main event. So that would have been like the Finn Balor-Bobby Lashley match, the one-minute 
Rey Mysterio, Samoa Joe squash, and whatever else was in there. Here's what was hilariously bad about that Triple H Batista match. I had a friend at WrestleMania, and like when you have a friend at WrestleMania, and he was at the Hall of Fame, so when you have a friend who's there, you're supposed to be texting your friend and saying, what's it like? What's going on? He was at WrestleMania texting me home on my couch during the Triple H Batista match saying, what's happening? <laughs> yeah. like, tell me what's happening because I can't see it because it's a stupid little pliers gimmick. I mean, I think that match would have been fine if it had been 10 like minutes shorter. Sec- yeah, and like the second match of the night. I, I mean, I, its placement was whatever, I guess, but just get your spots in. Do a couple of hardcore things on the outside since it's a no-holds-barred match, and then get it over with. Yeah. Like, I, obviously they gimmicked that nose ring, so do the gimmick nose ring thing, and do some some table stuff on the outside, get back in the ring, do the pin, and end it, you know? I think I think the problem with Batista in general now is, for me, all I want is for Drax to be the new RoboCop. And just have Drax come out and wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the problem for me with that match was not Batista. It was Triple H. We got self-indulgent 25-minute match Triple H instead of put the put the guys over Daniel Bryan match Triple H. And you never know which Triple H you're going to get, to be honest. Speaking of Triple H, I want to get to this before we do any rankings. This is something I watched over WrestleMania weekend, even though it wasn't part of the WrestleMania weekend festivities. The WWE Network had a special, like a short little documentary thing about Sting's one WrestleMania match. And it was all about the kind of the backstage machinations to get Sting a WrestleMania match. And I actually learned a lot of things from that special. Number one, I think I knew this already, or it had been rumored, Sting really, really wanted to have a match with The Undertaker. But they told him that The Undertaker was busy. Undertaker's match at that WrestleMania was with Bray Wyatt. They could have had a Sting-Undertaker match. Instead, they ended up offering a Sting, Sting a match with Triple H, so that's ended up being the match that happened. And... There's some discussion in the special about why Sting didn't win, why Triple H is the one that went over. And for the longest time, I just thought it was some kind of like, oh, we got to say WWE is better than WCW forever kind of thing. Instead, the reason given on that special is that they were working on creative for the next year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 32 where there were plans for Triple H and The Rock to have a match. Those plans fell through because of The Rock's filming schedule. But because they thought that that Triple H-Rock match was going to happen, they felt like Triple H had to go over in the match with Sting so he would have momentum going into the match with The Rock. Wow. Yeah. Dang. Man, H screwed Sting. It's it's wild how that, that stuff happens. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, also, before we get into this list, uh, I just feel remiss not to mention that I have been reading um, 
finally gotten around to reading a Christmas present that I got, which is the comic book story of professional wrestling. Um, by oh Aub- the Aubrey Citizen book. Yep, Aubrey yeah. Citizen and Chris Moreno. Um, it is crazy good. That it is not a gloss over. Like you know how the Andre the Giant, uh, the box brown Andre the Giant was like really good, um, but was a lot in very little pages. This is like yeah. It's like reading an illustrated textbook. I've I like there's so much stuff I didn't know. And I've done like squared circle and you know, I've I've read the books, I've done my homework, and it's so good. So I highly recommend it and uh it covers some stuff in our upcoming list. So if you haven't read it, go out and get it. Super I've seen good. I've seen the territories map from that <laughs> so going good. around. And it's one of the best illustrations of the territory system I've ever seen. Yeah, I mean, just the way that it sort of like truncates the history is just wild. I don't know. It's crazy. Um, all right, cool. Well, without further ado, let's get into what we actually do here on this show, which is rank wrestling. Today, we've got a list from listener who goes only by the moniker Dungeon Monkey 3, DM3, you boy, uh, out there rocking an internet handle. One of my um, favorite Dreamcast games. Dungeon Monkey 3. Yeah. Um, he sent us a list. We're about to read it. If you want to send us a list, you can do that by going to your local internet email server and uh, emailing a list to smarkothebeast at gmail.com. We will um, read it uh, both in our minds and in our hearts and then also on the show and we'll rank it. So go over there and do that. Um, all right. Let's get into this list. Number one on Dungeon Monkey 3's list of things from the king of sports professional wrestling is... Sure enough, Triple H's Sledgehammer, which did make an appearance uh, at WrestleMania, oddly enough. Two of them. Two of them. One of them carried by Ric Flair. I'm going to get real close up on the mic here. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. I'm going to make it as close to the mic as I can get. (laughs) I hate it. Hate it so much, dude. (laughs) I was kind of hoping you were going to come with a hot take. I hate I, it. It's so du- it's the dumbest thing. Here's why I hate it. Here's why Triple H's sledgehammer is bad. He can never use it like a sledgehammer. Yeah. And yeah. He can't just swing it over his head. Because then he'll just be hitting somebody with a sledgehammer and he might break their ribs. Yeah. And they can't I guess they can't gimmick it. They or need, they can't make Honestly, it, I would rather it be like blatantly a like LARPing situation with just like a foam hammer i would like i would rather just agree to believe in that like we did with the cinder block just we agreed to believe yeah but but if i guess since they can't gimmick it uh, the only thing triple h can do with that sledgehammer is put his hand over the end of it and then kind of like push it into somebody's face yeah laterally instead of swinging it like a hammer yeah like the sledgehammer should not be his thing the sledgehammer works once it works once when you pull out a sledgehammer and everybody's like oh is he gonna use that on somebody and then you don't and people are like well we didn't really think he was gonna murder somebody with a hammer but that was cool that he had it once (laughs) not yeah as your thing yeah i mean 
it's like one of those things that draws attention to the fact that it's like it pulls you out of kayfabe. Yeah, I mean, it draws attention to the fact that it's fake. I feel like it's one of those things that if somebody is watching pro wrestling for the first time, often someone's first event it would be like a WrestleMania where Triple H would be having a big match. And they see that sledgehammer come out, and he go. They go, "Oh my God! Is the, are they going to hit somebody with that sledgehammer?" And then they see how the sledgehammer is really used, and they go, "Oh, right, exactly." Ugh, so dumb. Hate the sledgehammer. I don't even know where we're going to put this thing. I mean, it's not like offensive, right? It's so it goes just right above offensive. It, it's not in the basement, but it's definitely on the first floor. It's it's like why have a thing if you have to neuter it so bad, right? You know, Ugh, I feel like it's bad for so many obvious reasons. I can't believe they haven't gotten rid of it. I can't believe like he insists on it. I mean, it's it's like a trademark, but I don't know. Just pick a different thing. Um, okay, so it's not offensive like Punjabi prison. It's not painful to watch like tater top promo. Um, right. It is very British Bulldogs cornrows, I feel like. It is very British Bulldogs cornrows. I think you have found the spot. I have more endearing thoughts and feelings about the cornrows, though, just for nostalgia reasons. So I would okay. put below that. It, it probably goes above the body slam challenge just because that There's is racism. pretty racist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the body right now the body slam challenge is... Uh, like our ceiling for upsetting, like stuff that's legit upsetting. Yeah, I would say so. Okay. I would say so. All right, I'm good with it. Number 206, Triple H's stupid sledgehammer. Come at me, H. Um, All right, next on the list is a, the exact opposite of stupid. It is simply luchador masks. Yeah, they're the best thing in the world. They're the fucking best. <laughs> like, yeah. they are a thing that is like a sole reason to like wrestling. Like, you can like luchador masks and not even like wrestling. Yeah. They're a design aesthetic in and of themselves. It's kind of like how you can see, I don't know, there's just certain, like, design. Like, you can see the black flag bars and know what it is, even if you never listened to or liked black flag or even punk music. Yeah. I, I Well, here's the thing about luchador masks for me. Like, I, I feel like people hadn't really figured out a way to make like a superhero style mask look good. Then they saw luchadors and they said, Oh, we do that. Yeah. Because nobody looks more like a real life superhero than a luchador. Dude. I was just watching, um, tiger mask dynamite kid 82 before we started recording. I was waiting for the kids to go to sleep. It, Luchador masks are the fact that's <laughs> I don't even ha- I don't have words. J- okay, let's take a more recent example. You know what the dopest thing is about the Hall of Fame? It's people wearing suits with luchador masks. Yes, that is the best combination. You know what the you know what looks. the dope yeah you know what the dopest thing about El Santo is wearing a turtleneck with a luchador mask. Yeah, man. <laughs> like all those old El Santo movies where like he's he just dressed like a, a man of leisure but with a luchador yeah. mask on. He is he is basically a superhero. Like there's 
El Santo in his work clothes, which is a superhero costume. And then there's El Santo in his, like, bizcaz. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. Like, you know, when he's in his civilian identity, who's still a guy who wears a mask, but also wears, like, a sport coat and a turtleneck. I mean, the fact that, like, okay, so luchador masks look great. Great idea individualized to the wrestler pulls you into the fantasy of professional wrestling um, has value in that it's a whole thing about, you know, having it removed or having somebody else remove it. And, and it's like honor bound to wear your luchador. Mask. It is dude. Luchador mass is easily top 10. I'm so close yeah. to putting it in the top five. <laughs> oh, I, I, I'm there with you, man. I, I think that they, Luchador masks are Luchador masks are one of the most important things in wrestling. They uh they get people into wrestling. Like they see a luchador and that look and they get into it. And like I said, you can like luchadors. You could have a local taco restaurant that is luchador themed. Yeah. Or a pizza restaurant. I've seen luchador themed, whatever. It doesn't it have to for be everything. Just, doesn't have to just be linked to, to Mexico. It can be a luchador themed, whatever. And people who aren't even a wrestling fan, wrestling fans will be into it because yeah. it's just so cool looking. Yeah, it's like sugar skulls. You don't have to. There's just a, it's just a cool design aesthetic. Yeah. Ugh, man. So, does it go above or below Ric Flair? That's where I was looking. That's oh, where man, I was I'm, looking. I'm pretty damn serious about it. I mean, like, um, here's here's the deal. Have luchador masks ever had a bad day? Like, is there anything? I cannot think of a moment. I cannot think of the woo-off for luchador masks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I would rank some individual Ric Flair moments above, and we'll probably get those. But as far as Ric Flair overall in a career, like, you know, there have been missteps and and bad moments in, in Ric Flair's career, they have been ups and downs. So I would be I would be fine with putting Luchador masks right between the cream of the crop promo and Ric Flair. Yeah. I mean, it's it's happening and I feel good about it. They're gonna be at the new number four. New number four, Luchador masks. Get into it. And um, I mean we we have basically a Ric Flair moment above that on the list already with the nineteen ninety two Royal Rumble. So I'm very comfortable with putting them there. Side note, in case anybody was wondering how dope Richmond is as a city, our local um, like minor league baseball team, the Flying Squirrels, are having like a Mexican heritage thing this season um, every other Friday or something like that. Next Friday, the first thousand people through the gate at the baseball game get a custom luchador mask that is like the mask that the Flying Squirrel wears. That's pretty great. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you know who's stoked on luchador masks? Who's that? Harrison the Cat. Harrison the Cat had a lot to add to that conversation. He was just psyched. He was he was scared we were going to rank it lower than we did. Um. All right. Man. Damn. Dun- Dungeon Monkey 3, it was covering bases. I feel like Dungeon Monkey 3 was not afraid to just be like, hey, maybe this seems like obvious things to rank, but I'm going to do it, and they're going to have a great time doing it because number three on DM3's list is Broken Matt Hardy. 
Brooke and Matt Hardy for about eight months was the biggest thing in pro wrestling. Uh, you remember Heroes Con? It first it had first dropped. Yeah, We're, and like, and we didn't know. We yeah. didn't know that it was brilliant. Not yet. And Not and yet. I think that's what's brilliant about it is that you could watch that first those first couple of Broken Matt Hardy segments and be like, this is the dumbest, crummiest, lowest production value thing I've ever seen. And then at some point, you realize it's all on purpose. Yeah. And you have to say, oh, wait, he's a genius. Did you hear, was it Stone Cold's podcast? Where did he give like a like an in-character... It was Stone Cold, right? I believe it was the Jericho podcast. You're right, Jericho. Yep. Where he talked about being possessed by the soul of an, an immortal being. Mm. Seven uh, deities. The, and, well, who who worshipped the seven deities. Oh, that's right. And he he remembered all his past lives. And, uh, I, you know, there's there was a whole lore to it, and it was incredible. Man. I, Broken Matt Hardy... So Broken Matt Hardy is great because it's great. Like, it's entertaining to watch. It's great because it really is taking... It's taking weaknesses, like low budgets, and, like, sort of the bad taste of, you know, rednecky dudes who are, you know, like, borderline juggalos a little bit. Sure. Um, it's taking, like, what could be perceived as the weaknesses of the Hardys, their jinko-ness, well, and, and, and leveraging it to be something amazing. It also took what you would probably consider to be the biggest weakness of certainly Matt of that time, which is he couldn't bend his knees anymore. Right. Um, somehow now he has gone into the, the lake of reincarnation and come out as 2004 Matt Hardy, mm-hmm. 2003 Matt Hardy. He's on that DDP yoga. He's got to be. He's in the best shape he's been in in 15 years. I know. It's wild. And he looks great, and he can move again. I know. Somehow. Lake of reincarnation, dude. But at that time, and through much of his last WWE run, he could barely, you know, walk. Um, Certainly didn't have a lot of bend in his legs. So doing the kind of like backyard wrestling stuff where a lot of it is gimmicky and you're shooting fireworks at each other instead of having to do athletic things is like he found a way to make it work yeah he invented an accent which is not easy to do even if you accidentally do it sure like it isn't it is a new accent (laughs) that that did not exist before he invented it yeah it's an accent no one had ever had before (laughs) Yeah, it's like uh do you ever watch that did you ever watch that show The Expanse? No. Super good. I recommend it. One of the great feats of that show is that it's like a futuristic, you know, space show and there's like people colonizing Mars and stuff and they create an accent for the people that live out in the asteroid belt that is like really well crafted and highly like um researched. Matt Hardy did that on his own just by yeah. himself. With no help, no linguists needed. It, yeah, it got him back into WWE, which is wild. It got them like basically to be in total control of what they were doing at TNA at the time. It 
is the perfect example of wrestlers taking ownership of their gimmick and making it. I feel the only thing I can kind of compare it to now I was thinking is um, Velveteen Dream. There's no way anybody's telling him what to wear or say. That dude took control of his gimmick and is killing it. Or if he, he may be collaborating with somebody on stuff he does, but he, there's a confidence to that guy that you cannot deny. But there's also and, this weird like lack of logic to the stuff he wears. Like sometimes it's like, oh, dead on prints. And then sometimes it's just like, I don't know, man. I don't know how you could plan it. There's always something behind it. Yeah. But I see what you're saying. The, with with Broken Matt Hardy, it was <clears throat> I think it was one of those things where it's like The Hardys are not in T or not in WWE anymore. They had their addiction and substance problems. They're in TNA. By all indications, their career is on the downswing. So it's kind of like, all right, what do we have to lose? You know? Yeah. Let's take a shot at something that could either fail utterly. Or be a wild success. And it ended up being a wild success. And there's just something so endearing about people who, excuse me, people who may not be like, you know, quote unquote cool or no, you know, like the Hardys weren't hanging out in Williamsburg or whatever. Um, And there's something so endearing about people who are like that, just reaching a point where they're like, you know what, I'm just going to do whatever I think is funny or cool. Like, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to be me as soon called cranked up to 11. Yeah. And that's totally what it is. It's like yeah, them. It's, it's, it's them and all their hot topicness and cornness, new metalness, just being like, this is what we think is great. It's, it's, it's all of that in the most North Carolina way you could imagine where you've got, you know, hot topic, like, like the design from a necklace mowed into a lawn. Right. Yeah. You know? It's like it's like if Spencer's gifts became sentient and wrote a short story. That is yeah. what Broken Matt Hardy is, and it's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's um, it's self aware drones that you can buy at, you know, Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever. Oh, it's so good. And it worked. I think that's one of the big reasons that it like if it hadn't worked and it was just a blip. Um, it would be just like an inside joke for Smarks, but it worked. Well, it was so stupid that everybody was like, you have to watch this. Yeah. I was making you know? people who didn't know anything about wrestling watch it and yeah. getting mixed reactions. But, um, okay. So, as always, we have to determine where's it going to go on this list. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, pretty great. It's, it's great, and it's important in a way because it's like this – endearing story of yeah two guys with nothing to lose crawling their way back into the you know back into the good graces of the big company and even before they came back to wwe wwe was trying to replicate it oh yeah with the the wyatt new day thing yep yep um yeah once you get to that level where like the big boss is trying to copy you that's man that's so cool um I am looking at 
Actually, weirdly, I'm looking at uh, Steve Austin hosing down the corporation. Is that too high? Um, I think it's maybe just a hair too high, but I don't think you're out of um out of the neighborhood too far. Okay, so we got Mick Foley at Hell in a Cell similarly taking matters into his own hands and making history. Yeah. I think Hell in a Cell is more important. I agree. Um, I think Bull Nakano is more important. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a good example of somebody turning it up to 11. Yeah. Um, I think the Combat Toyota Megumi Kudo is... There's a certain type of person you can show Broken Matt Hardy stuff to and get them into wrestling. I'd say there's a bigger subset of people that you could show Combat Toyota versus Megumi Kudo to, and they'd be like, I'm in. I would agree with that. Um, I think it might... I think it's in this area, though. Yeah. Is it? Man. So Stone Cold Steve Austin's entrance music is the greatest entrance music of all time. It's it's pretty great, yeah. Um, but, uh, similarly to Combat Toyota and Megumi Kudo, are we going to say that Bailey versus Sasha take over is something you can show anybody? Yeah, I would say probably. I I think it. I think Broken Matt can probably go above uh, Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth reuniting, though. I, I would agree with that because even though we talked about that being like a very emotional moment, it is in entirely pro wrestling pageantry right um there's nothing actually real behind it yeah and i think the reality of broken matt hardy is what made it that i would agree yeah Yeah. that's that's the point i'm trying to get to i think yeah um all right cool well there it will go very respectable top 20 placing uh placement uh number 19 broken matt hardy uh if anybody sends in a dilapidated boat I'm interested to see how it'll rank comparatively. Okay, let's see. Next on the list um, of things from the King of Sports from Dungeon Monkey 3 is Buried Alive Matches. Matt, I would like to hear your your um, take first. Let's see. Um, it is, you know, it's hashtag WrestleCrap. I'm... It's one of those things that own, I think only works with The Undertaker. I agree. I uh, I have a DVD mm-hmm. called... Uh, <laughs> I have a DVD. <laughs> I have a DVD. It's called Undertaker, He Buries Them Alive. <laughs> and it is all of The Undertaker's uh, Buried Alive matches. And I own it lovingly. It was given to me as a gift uh, by... By one of the hosts of the Rank and Vile podcast. Nice. And I I will watch it uh, gleefully, but knowing full well that every single Buried Alive match, even if The Undertaker is involved in them, is boring as hell. It's real bad. It is like, um, man, I don't know. It's pretty bad. It's boring. It's dumb. Um, it's well, the, th- the it's thing a- about it is it's it's basically a casket match. Mm-hmm. But when you have a casket match, you can put the casket beside the ring, right? You the very live match you have to put the grave on a set somewhere way over by where they enter, 
So they have to make their way over there at some point in the match. And then somebody has to, when they, you finally get somebody in the grave, you got to put dirt on them. Yeah. It's a, it's a undertaker entrance drawn out from five minutes to 25 minutes. Yeah. That's all it is. Like uh, the gimmick itself is, I hesitate to use the word clever, but it's, I, I'll say it's thematically appropriate, but in execution, it never works. Agreed. Um, is it better or worse than a Lion's Den match? Uh, better than that. Okay. Is it better or worse than John Cena's debut? I'd say John Cena's debut is better because John Cena's debut does exactly what it sets out to do. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would put it below Shawn Michaels overselling on Hogan. Um, I would put it below a Heenan, a Heenan family stable. Um, would you put it below the weasel suit match? Yes. Okay. I would probably put it, I don't know, man. It's looking like right above Lionston match. Bobby Heenan, um, yeah, Bobby that's Heenan's over, overwhelming hatred for Staggerly Marshall makes me happier. Oh, me too. Uh, I, I, I'm fine with it being right above Lion's Den. Okay, so it's a, it's a dumb type of match that's only slightly less dumb than a Lion's Den match. I, I'm yep. with that. Lion's Den match also sort of similarly tied to a single character. Yes. Who is not as good as The Undertaker. All right. Um, last but not least on this list is absurd cheating in a no DQ match, parenthetical, like using a taser. This is a uh, very broad one. Yeah, I couldn't think of it. I, I was looking. I saw some cattle prod, but I couldn't think of a taser specifically. I couldn't find a taser example uh, they, of this. They have been used okay. uh, in the past. Yeah, absurd. Or is... I think, I think a, a lot. what a lot of people call a taser, colloquially, is actually a stun gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of my weird uh, pet peeves. Yeah, this is real weird. Um. Well, it's it's one of my AP Stylebook rules that I will never uh, forget. Okay. Uh, a taser is the thing that cops carry where it actually shoots out um, like Little two... Barbs. Ele- barbs, yeah, electrical barbs that are on wires and they go into your skin and shock you. Mm-hmm. The thing that arcs, like when you push a button, an arc of electricity mm-hmm. goes between two uh, little forks Mm -hmm. and then you like just jam it into somebody Mm -hmm. and it shocks them that's a stun gun have you ever held one of those yes it's wild it's like so powerful when you turn it on it like shakes in your hand yeah 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 um okay well i was trying to so um the phrase in this sentence absurd absurd cheating is sort of subjective um, but I was trying to yeah. get away from the taser ex- example and, and think outside of that. Um, and I was, I mean, you know, like the tennis racket is absurd um, and was used pretty frequently. But I don't know that it was used more as a foreign object than it was as like, oh, it's okay to use this because it's a it, no DQ thing. Well, I mean, it's there are lots of things you can refer to as absurd. Right. Uh, like... Like pinning somebody with a forklift, I've seen that before. Right. Um, like doing a, a big 
drag out fight in a concession stand where people are getting hit with bags of popcorn mm. um, or, or throwing hot dogs at each other. That's a recent thing that uh, has occurred on pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, when I hear absurd, I just mean like, or what I think of is just like, not the stuff you would commonly see. Right. So not like, not like, you know, folding chairs and trash cans and mm. stop signs and stuff like that. But I mean, a kendo stick is absurd, right? I, I mean, a kendo stick in wrestling, it's not absurd because it's yeah. fairly common. Mm-hmm. It, you, you see that a lot, but, but something absurd, for example, would be big shows, giant folding chair. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. He had a folding chair that was just real big because he's real big. Right. Right. Um, so um, that I would say is absurd. So here's the thing. There are certain things that are absurd that are stupid. Like, for example, a cattle prod, which we've already ranked. We've ranked cattle prod specifically on the list. Right. A cattle prod is, is bad. Mm-hmm. I've I mean, never seen this before, but if somebody like pulled a gun in a match, right, that's dumb. Mm-hmm. Or or like had a sword. Actually, a sword might be great. <laughs> <laughs> but something that's just like absurd to the point of being hilarious, and that you would only see in pro wrestling, like like a a folding chair that's just bigger. Or like, I kind of love that. Yeah, or like Braun Strowman breaking the stand-up bass over somebody who normally breaks a guitar over somebody because he's bigger, so it's a yeah. bigger stringed instrument. Taking a thing and just making it bigger is always fucking funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It, uh, it's, like, it's a big hat. It's bigger than a normal hat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but that's not really what we're being asked to be to rank because those aren't part of no DQ matches. Uh well the chair was the chair was yeah that's true the the base is not huh. uh the, I mean the base could be used in a in a no DQ match but that was just like a segment where he beat up Elias well it also said the entry actually says absurd cheating in a no DQ match so it's not absurd weapons yeah I'm just trying to think of other examples of absurd cheating um well there's stuff like. I mean, I like, guess technically, like a last man standing match is an ODQ match, uh-huh. and there's stuff like um, taking out a roll of duct tape and duct taping somebody to the ropes. Yeah, or like handcuffing somebody to the to the side. Yeah. Um, I mean, there was like the Lucha Underground. What was it? It was like a barroom brawl. <laughs> it was basically, just like here's some glass. <laughs> Like throw somebody through this old timey bar. Yeah, uh, I think about I think about cheating not just to win, to, but but to protect yourself. Uh-huh. Like another Lucha Underground example was Joey Ryan. Oh yeah, chaining himself to the gate or to the uh, Hand, barrier, handcuffing himself to the to the barrier. Yeah, that was cool. And then there was that Lucha Underground thing that was like a war match or whatever, and they were like hitting each other with army helmets and like decommissioned weapons. <laughs> Like guns. And yes, stuff? yes, I remember that match. That was pretty absurd. That was kill shot and his old war buddy. Oh, that was nasty business. They were like on a cannon at one point. I feel like yes, there was like a or like a mounted gun at the very least. Yeah, so that's absurd. 
That's pretty like absurd. That. Yeah. I like that. So I, I mean, that's the thing. Like, some of it's good, some of it's not. Mm. It's it's well, it's one of the various mixed bag entries that we have on the list. Hmm. So let's see. Stephanie McMahon's on-screen character is a mixed bag. Yep. Hundred percent. Um, is it better or worse than that? I feel like it's better than that. I would say comparable. Comparable. I would say it's not as good. I would put it right above that because it's not as good as I like Mr. McMahon's Strut to the Ring. You can't really do it anymore, but it's it's very identifiable. It is a trademark. It you know that's Vince McMahon. You can not see his face. He could be in silhouette, and you would know that that was Vince McMahon. Actually, I would. I would maybe put this right below intergender matches because there's definitely more examples of good intergender matches. Well, I and don't there's know. there's more potential in intergender matches. I yeah, think. maybe potential is what I was looking for. Um, I mean, I bought your argument about the strut to the ring. I'm trying to think of the '93 Royal Rumble match and what's in it. Um, since I'm kind of drawing a blank on it. Maybe right below intergender matches is the place. Okay. Yeah, I'm good with that. Because it's like the strut to the ring is what it is. There's still there's still chances for absurd um no DQ things to be great to like really make history, you know? So what you're saying is when it comes to the strut, it's got no chance. No chance. No chance at hell. <laughs> um, boy, you know who has no chance in hell of ever recovering from a PR nightmare that John Oliver foisted onto him? Vince McMahon. Holy oh, cow. well, of course. I mean, did you hear all those chants about health insurance at WrestleMania? Boy, mm. boy, did it work. Yes. You know, damn it. I had. Ne- I will say this: I had never seen either the thing where he used the N word. So that was effectively yeah. erased from history because as somebody who wasn't watching then you would think that that would be a thing that people would bring up more and it's not well that's one that's one result of the wwe being the ones who get to write history and if, I, if they choose to never show that clip again then it never happened i never knew about that hbo thing that was wild where he oh, like the, smacks the, the papers the out of the interview yeah yeah that's that's you sh- that inter- that entire interview is worth watching Whew, um for wild. how how intensely aggressive uh Vince McMahon is in it so i would say even if we didn't get the healthcare chance it did it stings cuz it was definitely like hey don't forget that he did this stuff <laughs> yeah um they did cut the end of that clip where he's he calls John Cena the N word. Uh, you'll notice in the clip that John Oliver shows, he walks by Booker T. Yeah, who gives him and a death stare? He gives him a death stare, but what they cut was Booker T saying his catchphrase. He did not just say that. Yeah, tell me he did not just say that. Yes, and uh. That is probably the most honest use of that catchphrase Booker T has ever had. <laughs> Ugh, rough. Um, all right. Well, that is a list 
the list from Dungeon Monkey 3. Thank you so much, DM3, for sending that in. If you would like to send in a list, you can do that by emailing us at smarkofthebeast at gmail.com. Um, we would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't already, rate and review us. And most importantly, because at this point, uh, I almost, like during the intro, I was almost like, hey, we're the Treasured Memories Boys. You may know us from Twitter, and we also have a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, if you would like to keep the conversation going and hear from us more often than every couple of weeks go to twitter.com slash smart podcast and follow us there Matt and I both um, tend to live tweet or next day tweet wrestling events and uh, there's a lot of good interactions so go to twitter.com slash smart podcast and follow smart of the beast on twitter Matt Lifetime Wilson where can people find you on the internet when they want to well, Matt Moment, it is as easy as I can possibly make it. All you have to do is go to mattdwilson.net, and you can find links to everything that I do, my other podcasts, my books that I have written, the comics that I have written, and all my social media stuff is there. Uh, so you can go check that out, mattdwilson.net. Matt Fisher, where can people find you? Um, it's not as easy because I have not truncated all my information, but also I don't have as much content as you do. So if they really want to find me, they can check out some, um, uh, keep up with music that I'm doing at soundcloud.com slash Matt moment. Um, some of it's very old and a little bit of it is newer. Um, you could also follow me on Twitter individually if you'd like. It's twitter.com slash Matt moment. And that's about it. Otherwise, uh, shoot us an email or follow the Smark of the Beast Twitter. And thanks for joining us. Until next time, oh, I got to hear those sweet, sweet words. It's been too long. Matt and everybody else, keep living that gimmick. <laughs>